Hi, everyone. It's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting exit plan with no spaces to 44222. That's exit plan to 44222. Again, text exit plan to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, as usual, we're going to introduce a uh, an advisor uh, today who's going to tell us a, a very interesting area. Um, you know, when I work with business owners, I, I look at a lot of profit and loss statements, and one of the biggest line items is workers' comp insurance. And we are very fortunate today. You're probably going to want to take some notes because with me today is Diana Henderson of the Henderson Group here in Irvine, California. And the Henderson Group is a risk management consulting firm that's in the business of reducing and controlling their clients' workers' comp costs, but they don't broker or sell insurance. And today we're going to talk about employers behaving badly change your behavior and change your workers comp plan uh and uh diana welcome to the show and thanks very much for joining us well thank you for having me bill appreciate it it's it's really a pleasure now i want to ask you about that title if i got that right i said employers behaving badly is that employers or employees well it is employers behaving badly it's employers okay all right you had me there okay (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad I did. It's a it's a great title. It was uh, crafted by a really good friend of ours and our business coach, Larry Wingett. And essentially, that that title mirrors my point of view uh, that employers have the power to control their work comp costs by changing their behavior. I love it. This is going to be very interesting. So, employers <laughs> behaving badly change your behavior, employers, and change your workers' comp plan. Diana, before we get into the meat of the matter here, tell us a little bit about you and your background in the Henderson Group and how it came to be. Well, I've been in the what I call the wonderful world of workers' compensation for 30-plus years now. And it started with taking a position at Southern California Edison as a claims handler and a hearing representative. And that led to a great career with Hunt Wesson Foods, where I managed their internal workers' compensation claims department. And then ultimately, I was hired as a consultant for Aon Risk Services. Uh, They're an international brokerage firm. And then uh, in 2001, about my five-year mark with Aon, I uh, turned to my spouse and said, you know, I know you've just retired from your great and successful career with law enforcement, but how would you like to become my business partner and set up a, a new company? And we'll call it the Henderson Group. And you know what? He's always been a great supporter of me. So what did he say? He said, yes, what you need. So that's how Love we it. got started. 
So you've been in and around the world of workers' comp for for quite a while. Yes, quite a while, and <laughs> as long right. as I as long as I'm yeah. still enjoying it, I'm going to continue to do mm-hmm. it. And it's you know, it's I think it's kind of one of those things that you either you either really enjoy it or you really hate it. And uh, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and so I must be liking it. You must be. So um, <laughs> your firm, again, you, what what I said in the intro was that you're in the business of reducing and controlling your clients' workers' comp costs, but you don't broker or sell insurance. So tell us about when, uh, like a, when you first meet with the client, uh, what are their pain points? What, what do people say to you, and what are some of the first things that you do when you work with a new client? You know, when they first come to me, many of my clients – believe that there's really nothing more that they can do to reduce the cost of their workers' compensation. And oftentimes they're really resigned to the belief that they're just going to have ever-increasing premiums. It's just the cost of doing business. And what eventually takes place is they stop paying attention to it. And the pain point is usually when they either are voluntarily shutting down their doors or they're forced to shut their doors. And uh, so those those are definitely the pain points. Typically, it's that financial hit. You talked about the bottom line, and it truly is a bottom line cost. Wow. So they're they're really in pain when they when they come to see you. It sounds like, um, of course, it seems like everybody these days is trying to contain costs and increase profits. So tell us a little bit about what, you know the subject here. What are what is the most common misconception? that employers have about reducing the cost of their workers' compensation? Well, I think as they said, as I said earlier, they they feel that they there's nothing that they can do. And mm-hmm. so what we do is we, we go into the organization, we take a look at their historical losses, and we start talking about things that they're doing internally, some of what I call their behaviors. And, you know, how are they hiring? Are they hiring the right person for the job? Do they know that they can do post-offer physicals to make sure that the person that they do hire can physically perform that job? Uh, We look at whether or not they're staying involved in the process. Um, Or are they just abandoning a claim or an injured employee to an insurance company? So those are kind of the things that we look for and we make sure that whatever root causes we identify, whether they're great behaviors that are saving them money or horrible behaviors that are costing them money, that when we develop a plan for them, uh, a best practices plan for them, that we do it with something that works for their industry. Because workers' comp, while it's you know, having somebody injured on the job, and providing them with benefits because of that injury is pretty common across the board and across the whole U.S., their mm-hmm. industry and what they do in their industry may make our process internally just a little bit different for them. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And, um, you know, one thing that you said that caught my ear was the concept of a post-hire physical. Um, what are some of the... Uh, uh, the comments you hear about that that notion or that concept well you know first of all whenever we whenever an employer employs someone we take them as we find them 
that's a very common phrase that we use in our industry. And um, I'll tell you a little story because I think this would this this story can kind of bear this out for your listeners here. I was working with a bakery, and I had been working with them for about six months, and I was noticing a common theme. And that common theme was that those employees who were injured, we later discovered that they had some prior injuries or prior physical problems that probably would have precluded them from even been hired in the first place had they gone through a post-offer physical. So we talked about that, putting that in place with this employer, but it wasn't until they had a huge claim that suddenly it got driven home that "Hmm, maybe we ought to do some post-offer physicals. And so we met with their clinic. We had job descriptions put together that laid out the physical demands of each and every job that they were going to do these post-offer physicals with. And I will tell you, they were able to turn their workers' comp costs around. Oh, it took them about a year or so. But they stopped hiring people who the physician said really could not physically handle the demands. And in a bakery, you have to lift over 50 pounds on a frequent basis. That's a pretty arduous job, and not everybody can do it. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, the fact that um, we're, I think, feeling, uh, California employers especially, feel like they're so hampered by what they can and can't do when they hire an employee, uh, is there ever any pushback uh, about that? Uh, a, a post, uh, how would someone uh, uh, approach uh, an employee for that requirement? Would that be at the time of the interview to suggest that they will be required to do something like that? What can you tell our listeners about that? Well, typically what you want to do is you want to identify what positions within the company you're going to do this for because you don't want to pick and choose who you're going to send for a post-offer physical, but you can pick and choose what job you're going to do this for. So when you interview the individual, there's a lot of things that we can't ask in the interview process. We can't ask them if they've ever been injured on the job. We can't ask them if they have a disability. We can ask them if they can physically perform the job, and if somebody really wants the job, they're probably going to tell us yes, whether they can or not. So now we place this in the hands of a physician, because it's not up to us to make that medical determination. So the physician is then given the job description. The physician then sees the potential candidate who's been given a conditional offer of employment. They then perform whatever physical they feel is necessary to make that medical determination. And the physician then de- then sends back with that candidate literally a slip of paper that has a checkmark box on it. It's either yes, the person can physically do the demands of the job, or no, they can't. And we ask the physician if it's a no, they can't, just to tell us what particular essential function of that job this person can't do. Is it because they can't lift? Is it because they can't bend? Is it because they can't climb a ladder? What is it? And then we can let that individual candidate know that because because the physician has said that they physically can't perform the job, we have to, you know, send them on their way to someplace else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, in your experience, and you've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of situations, um, what are some of the most common situations or injuries that probably could have been avoided with some preemptive work or, or tests, things like that, uh, that, you're, that you're talking about now? Well, I'm going to go back to my bakery story, the one hire that they made, which, by the way, I write about this in my book, is a, a young gentleman who they hired who was about 18 years old, had just graduated from high school, looked like a football player, and as it turned out, had been a football player during his time in high school. And they hired him to be a bakery assistant. And about two weeks into the job, he came to the safety manager and said, my knees are killing me. I can't, I can't do this anymore, and I need to go to the doctor. So they did take him to the physician, and unfortunately, uh, it turns out that he did have bad knees. In fact, he'd had a couple of surgeries on his knees, on both of them. But now that those knees had been aggravated by the job he was doing for that bakery, they were now going to have to establish a workers' comp claim, pay him for his medical treatment until he reached a status prior, you know, one second before the injury, and pay for any permanent disability that would have been the result of that injury on the job. That was he was only there for two weeks. So that's a you know that's not an uncommon thing that happens uh, within certain industries. Stress and strain of the job is is what we see a lot of. So uh, you know we we mentioned that uh, people come to you when they're they're at a point of pain. It seems to me it, it would be a good thing for anybody to come to you before they get to that point of pain. If they if they realize that they might be in a in a uh, a risk position for the things that you're talking about, uh, is that true? I mean, is do do people should people be calling um, a service like yours? Um, obviously, before the claim happens, I mean, it should be an ASAP thing to make sure that they're looking out for what might be at risk ahead. Absolutely, you know, even though I get a lot of great satisfaction in putting out fires. It's far more preferable that the client call me when things are going well and they're in the proactive versus reactive mode. And then at least we can start uh, looking at things that have been working well and work to avoid those things that could happen in the future that would drive their costs upwards even further than they already are. Yeah, it, it just makes a tremendous amount of sense to be preventative about this type of a thing. So th the fact that you don't um, uh, you don't steer people towards uh, particular changes in their insurance program, as far as vendors are concerned, is is interesting. So you charge, I guess, you would charge a fee for an an, uh, an audit, if you will, of their of their potential risks. Is that how that works? Um, yes, I have done that. Uh, my clients have included employers who come to me directly, as well as insurance brokers who come to me and uh. engage my services on behalf of their clients. Uh, sometimes it's uh, for retention purposes. Sometimes it's for um, getting a new client. Uh, and then, of course, with those clients who they have, and they feel that the client needs someone who has 
my level of expertise in this field, they will hire me on behalf of that client and pay the fee. And um, you know, the, the way that I look at it is you know, what types of things are going on? What services do you need? What services do I believe would be viewed by the client? And then develop what I call a plan of action and put together um, a, what we might call a service fee. And it really just kind of depends on, on what, I, what I think and what I recommend and what the client is willing to pay for to move forward to, to maybe change the course of what they've been feeling. Terrific. So uh, you've given us a, a good story. Um, do, you, do you have a couple tips, ideas, or precautions for our listeners uh, as, we, as we talk through this topic? I absolutely do. Uh, I've, I've uh, put together what I call some impact strategies because I feel that these are certainly things that they can do to impact the cost of their workers' comp. And, and the first strategy is to report those claims timely to the carrier. And I know it's difficult when the employer believes that the claim is questionable, that the injury is maybe not legitimate, but whether you feel it's legitimate or not, get that injury claim over to the carrier because those questionable claims really need immediate attention. And while the statutes are different across the U.S., here in California, we've got a short 90-day window of opportunity. And that window, that time clock starts when that employer has knowledge of a claim. And we've got to determine, we meaning the claims organization, needs to determine whether or not that injury is a result of the work or not within that 90-day window. So that's my strategy, impact strategy number one. Mm -hmm. um, number two is take control of medical treatment where you can. Now, not every state allows an employer to manage the medical or to direct the person to the, to the medical provider. But here in California, we had a great thing happen about 10 or 12 years ago where we implemented medical provider networks. It's kind of like a, a healthcare network of providers, and they should be physicians who are, are very savvy in workers' compensation and also understand the what I call the good return to work strategy. So keep control and, and for the employer to maintain that control, there's a lot of things that they have to do administratively, especially if they're in the state of California. And then the third impact strategy is really to stay engaged and insist on high levels of communication, not only with the injured worker, but also with the claims adjuster. I mentioned earlier, don't abandon that injured worker to the insurance company because the involvement of the employer can actually discourage costly litigation in the future. And you also want to keep your eye on the, on the money, on the reserving. And that's where we, a lot of our services come in is looking at the reserves because I've been involved in this process. I've worked behind the scenes. I've looked, you know, I've been behind that curtain. I know how this works and can certainly help them, you know, stay with it. Those are those are great tips. You know, it's amazing how in just a few minutes 
Um, you've made me feel a lot smarter <laughs> about this topic, and I and I hope that's true of our listeners too. But it gets better from here because you have a book of the same name as as your topic title today, which is Employers Behaving Badly, Change Your Behavior and Change Your Workers' Comp Plan. Uh, and you're offering a, um, a complimentary copy of your book along with a free uh, 15-minute assessment call uh, to explore how the Henderson Group can act as a risk management partner and save um, on workers' compensation costs. I mean, that's a fantastic offer, both the book and the, the assessment call. And uh, how do our listeners uh, take advantage of that offer, Diana? Well, what I'd like them to do is send me an email, and my email address is Diana, that's spelled I-A-N-A, at thehendersongroup.net. And they can reach out to me in that way, or they can even phone my office, and the number to contact me is 949-417-5722. And, of course, take a look at our website. There's a lot of information about what we do and the services we provide. And that website is thehendersongroup.net. So, uh, again, it's Diana at thehendersongroup.net. And, uh, hey, uh, listeners, listen, uh, if you're a, a, a member, uh, uh, an advisor, a member of ProVisors or another, uh, Vistage, uh, we get a lot of uh, listeners from Vistage, um, why would you not get in touch with Diana Henderson, um, it's only going to benefit you if you're an advisor. Of course, uh, this is a, a, a program or a, an asset that you can add on, an offering you can add on to help your clients save money in a big money area. And if, of course, if you're a business owner, it's just simply a, a it's a no lose proposition. I mean, you, you, the only thing you might lose is some of your workers' comp risks. Uh, which is going to save you money in the long run. So, Diana, great job explaining uh, the topic and what you do. It's very interesting and I think very helpful to know that you're available and out there. So I hope our listeners get in touch with you. And uh, I would uh, love to uh, check in with you down the road and see what's new because this is a changing field. There's always something going on in workers' comp, and it's an important field for our listeners. So, again, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, and I look forward to the next time. Well, thank you so much, and it's been a pleasure also, and I hope to hear from our listeners. All right, well, we are going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. One of the questions I get asked the most is, how do I grow the value of my business? I'm so busy working in it, I need to work on it. So we've created a special report for you on 10 tips to grow the value of your business. Just text the word DRIVERS to 44222 to get a special free report right to your inbox. That's drivers to 44222. Text drivers to 44222. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 